book of Ephesians chapter 4. Just lift a couple of verses out, but keep your Bibles open. And let's read just from verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let's pray. Father, just want to say thank you for the wonderful sense of your spirit. Lord, we don't know how you touch hearts in the way you do. You cause different ones to be able to to know, to sense your nearness. But we thank you, Lord, that you do touch hearts. You move in hearts. And I thank you, Lord, that that shows the unity of your people, unified in the Holy Ghost and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we could sing and we could pray. We could praise you all day. For in thy presence is fullness of joy. Lord, at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And Lord, this morning we just thank you that we have found that strength again that comes from the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for every head that's bowed in your presence. We ask you to encourage and bless and to strengthen them. And for the few minutes that are left, Lord, of this meeting, we pray that your word would find a lodging place in every heart and may it have free course to germinate in every life unhindered and may your spirit be never grieved among us as a people, as an assembly and as individuals. Glorify your name we pray for Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. As you know we have been doing, this is part, a series, this is part eight of Uh, It's entitled, Riches of the New Covenant. Riches of the New Covenant. And we have looked at a few and we have diverted quite a a bit where we have spoken on A, as accepted in the beloved, B, you're born of God, C, crucified with Christ, D, delivered from darkness, E, we are enriched in him and everything, and now it's F this morning. And look at our reading this morning. It's verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now when we read back what is happening before this mention of forgiveness is here, we read back and we see that there are people in an assembly here of the Ephesians and they're grieving the spirit. 
They're grieving the Holy Ghost. And it's, I think it's safe to say at some point we all grieve the Holy Spirit. And I don't say that, that we should grieve the Holy Spirit, but that we shouldn't. But here what was happening was people didn't have a forgiving heart. People didn't have love one toward another. And the Spirit of God wouldn't move, for he was grieved. So Paul's telling them what to do. Now that's it in a nutshell. But here when he says this, if you notice he says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. That word sealed gives the idea of a king writing a letter, signing it, folding it, sealing it with a wax seal. Not to be opened until it reaches its destination. In other words, if you're a true believer, if you're born of the Spirit, you're sealed with the Holy Ghost. It gives the idea, actually, of confirmation. Do you notice the word I used? Confirmation. And yet there are churches and denominations that confirm. A church and a denomination can confirm you to their denomination if they want, but they cannot confirm you into Christ. They cannot confirm you as a believer into heaven. It's the Holy Spirit of God that confirms every man and woman. And only the Holy Spirit of God. He is our confirmation. And with that confirmation, we know right from wrong. And he leads us. And when we come to a place where we know that we have went low, that we have done wrong, that we have grieved him, he lets us know. But he does not discard you. He doesn't run away and leave you. He doesn't throw you down in the gutter and say, then stay there. Rather, he does it to build you up again. He says, look, my child, here's where you are. Here's the way I want to bring you. This is where you need to go. Now start walking. And that's it. You're sealed. And the letter of your heart can't be opened until it reaches kingdom come. For you are Christ, bought with a price, and you're his child. Look, your children are going to do things that you don't like. My children are going to do things that I don't like. But they'll always be my children and I love them. Here we're told that the sealing of the Holy Spirit is the grieving of the Spirit from us, the sealing of the Spirit from God. And then he says, Paul says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He says, put that heart away. If your heart's like that, put it away, he says. Notice what he says then. He says, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now, I want to look at this word forgiven. Forgiven. F is for you are forgiven for Christ's sake. You're not forgiven of your sins because anything you have done. 
You're not forgiven of your sin because of anything you've become. You're not forgiven of your sin because of what you have. You're not forgiven of your sin because of what you've added to something. You are forgiven for what Christ has done. Full stop. It's all in Christ and nothing else. No, Puritan says it's a destructive addition to add anything to Christ. Once you try to add anything to Christ, it's a destructive addition for you. So here we have the apostle saying the word forgiven or forgiving one another. Now I see when we look at this, it says forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The word forgiving, usually it is the word amphime. And the word means to put away. To put away. Now you know what it's like when you're trying to tidy up. And I'm not going to say ladies because then I'll get saying, well, the men are tidy up. <laughs> My wife says, no, you don't. <laughs> you put things away, close the cupboard, that's it. It's gone. And here the idea is that Christ puts our sin away, bore our sin in his own body on the tree, and when he shed his blood, the riches of the new covenant is this, that you are fully and freely forgiven in Christ alone. And he bore it, buried away. He hid them, as it were, in the cupboard. When he went to the tomb, he carried your sin away from you. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Full stop. Now you know that I believe in right living. And you know that I believe that people can fail and fall and the grace of God is always there to abound over our sin and to carry us on. So don't please be thinking that, oh, well, there you are, he says it now. You can do what you like for Christ has paid for it, carried it away. And you, no, 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 I'm not saying that. We live before God, walk before God. But here the idea is, aphemi means Christ bore our sin and carried it away from us. You'll never stand in judgment for your sin if you're in Christ. Never stand in judgment for your sin. You will stand at the great, not the great white throne judgment, but the, the judgment seat of Christ who given an account of our lives as believers to receive our rewards and so on. That's a different story. But here we have the word forgiving one another is the word amphemi, which means, it means to put away. But here, the word here for forgiving, let me backtrack, sorry. The word forgiving one another is not the word amphemi, meaning to put away. It is a word char isome. And the reason I'm saying that, because it means something different. It means your sins are already forgiven. But this word is where we get the word for grace from. This is where we get the word for the charismatic from, from charisome or charis from, or charis as some people pronounce it, which is for grace. And this word means to do a favor, to show oneself gracious, to forgive in the sense of treating the offended party graciously. In other words, it gives the idea that when one of your brothers or sisters comes to you and says, look, I have wronged you. Now, people would say it in a flippant way just to make themselves look good. But I'm saying when they come to you and say, brother, I have wronged you, will you forgive me? Be kind to them. Love them through it. Don't hold the bitterness in you and 
pour out the blessing upon them and say, brother, I forgive you. Sister, I forgive you. You know, God doesn't forgive us till we come to Christ. So if people want to run on in their lives and don't hold the bitterness, let them get on. But if they come to you in repentance and say, I have hurt you, will you forgive me? Then forgive them. Be kind to them. But here's the thing. It gives the idea of not only has Christ put our sin away, but he keeps on blessing us. He keeps being good to us. He keeps being generous to us. He keeps pouring his grace upon us. It's the idea of it. That even though we fail every day and we stumble and we fall and we falter and our hearts are all over the place and our minds don't know whether we're coming or going, all the time God's grace is being poured out upon us and it's abounding over even your worst sin. That's why when the Spirit moves in us, that which we're sealed by, he tells us we're wrong, we're grieving him, and he draws us back into the way. So here we have, Paul says, forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now, here's where it gets a little different. You see where it says here, even where, forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The word for though, uh, even as God has forgiven you. Even as. Think about that. How God has forgiven you. The words even as, it, it's a word kata. And if you've been getting the CDs or downloads of this and maybe listening again, you'll recognize that word. That's why I tell you these words, for they pop up in other places, obviously, in Scripture. And you can say, that's what that means. Even as God for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. Even as is the word kata. That means to, uh, gives the idea of, of domination. Gives the idea of domination. Gives, it means down, to press down. Domination, control, press down. And we used it before, if you remember. And if you want to flick over to Ephesians chapter 1. We used this. One of our first studies on this, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, speaking of our Lord Jesus, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The word according there is the word kata. That's why I tell you the word kata sounds familiar, according to the riches of his grace. So we have redemption through the blood of Jesus according to the riches of his graces, according to the the domination, the dominating control of the grace of God is dominating our very life of sin. In other words, Christ's blood pays for it. You're a flesh human being. You will fail. You will fall. You will falter. You will let him down. You'll try your best, but it's never good enough. But in Christ... Under the new covenant of blood in the Lord Jesus Christ, the domination of grace rules your life, controls our position in God. So you're redeemed, you're a child of God, you're washed in the blood, He's forgiven you of your sins, He has amphime, He has put them away. 
He's put them away. They're out of his sight, no longer to be seen. They're under the blood and the grace of God, even though you're trying to walk well and even though you're trying to praise the Lord and do what he will, you will find that you will fail, even in your mind. But his grace is more powerful and dominates you. Dominates your life. And when you say, I went so low, Lord, you'll never forgive me now. God says, my grace dominates even how you have acted. My grace dominates your life. Get up, child, and move on with me. Now, you might be thinking this morning, Lord, I haven't prayed all week. Now, you know, I'm always at you. Keep praying, keep reading. But maybe that's happened to you. You're still his child. Do you see, if I don't see my father for a week, my earthly father now, and I go to his door and I hadn't seen him for two weeks, he opens the door and he says, it's great to see you. It's great to see you. Come in, come in, come in. And on the way in, I better get a big clap on the back or shoulder usually. Your father wants you to come to him. Say, Father, even as that prodigal son says, I am no more worthy to be called your child. I've sinned in your sight and heaven's sight. And Lord, look at me. The father says, put the shoes on his feet, her feet. Put that robe on her back and the ring on her finger. Kill the calf. Let's start to praise. For when you are awakened onto the things of God and you realize by the moving of the Spirit in your heart that God has moved in you, God is drawing you, that God is quickening you, that God is bringing you back into the way, then it's at that point you realize, Father, thank you that you didn't let me drift so far that I would die not knowing what condition I was in. You know, it's like the hymn writer says, Father, I have wandered from thee. Often has mine heart gone astray. Crimson do my sins seem to me, and water cannot wash them away. Jesus, to that fountain of thine, leaning on thy promise I go, wash me by thy cleansing divine. Hey, that's the blood of the Lamb. Cleanse me by thy washing divine. And here we have the hymn writer said, and, and you and I can say it because it's biblical, Lord, you have shed your blood for me, and I have come so low, but now, now that you realize you're so low, he will lift you so high. That's grace for you. Dominated by the, the grace of God even over how you feel. Even over the, the times when you've said, Lord, I've doubted. His grace dominates over that. And you come and say, I can never come into your presence now, Lord. I could never come and pray. Lord, I just feel like I've just went too far. The Lord says to you this morning, he says, you're my child and I love you. And my grace dominates you. The blood of Jesus has still the power to avail for every sin today. That's the domination of grace. Now, the word according to the riches of his grace is kata. The domination, the control of God's grace over your life. Lord, even now, even now I love you. 
And here we have it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Forgiving or show yourselves gracious to one another. Forgiving the sense of treating an offended party well. He says, forgiving one another even or according to or kata, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Even as the domination, the control, the pressing down, in other words, he means, look, you forgive one another. For God in Christ, the domination of the cross, the domination of the new covenant, this is the riches of it. This is the idea of it, that because of the power of the blood, I want to try and get my words right. I don't want to sound irreverent before my heavenly father. I want to get my words right. I want to say it right. And the Lord knows my heart in the terms. I'm trying to bring it over in English language to to try and get us all to grasp something, to encourage us in our hearts and to take it home and say, oh, thank you, Lord, you still forgive me. Thank you, Lord, you love me. And not just to be a a weeping willow, to be a victorious Christian for Christ. The power of the blood of Jesus. The power of the new covenant and the riches of the new covenant. The power of the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. The power that everything, that that is entailed in everything in the cross. The tree in which our Lord hung on. Not not the wood, but the, the act of what he has done. The great sacrificial offering of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I can call it the, the domination of it. It, and this is where I want to be careful, but Lord... Uh, forgive me for this, but it, it dominates God. The cross of Christ dominates the heart of the Father. The cross of Christ and the blood of Jesus dominates the mind of God for a way and eternity. Before there was a sinner on the earth, there was a Savior in heaven, and it dominated him. And he would not let go till he came and saved me and you. It dominated God. And until every lost sheep is redeemed and brought into the fold, it will dominate him. His love is so great. The idea is God's love. Let me show you. Turn over to Ephesians while we're here. We're going to close. Turn over to Ephesians chapter chapter 2. Verse 4 says, but God who is rich in mercy, or in other words, God who is wealthy in the sphere of his goodness, the whole sphere of God as it were, the whole being of God is a, a God in his goodness, and he's rich with it. It says here, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, Rich in mercy, his great love, wherewith he hath loved us. See the idea, for his great love, wherewith he has loved us? You know what it gives the idea of? It gives the idea that God's love will not be satisfied until he redeems those whom he loves. 
God's heart of love will never be satisfied until you and I who are sealed unto the day of redemption by the Holy Ghost and through the blood of Jesus and the grace of God applied to our lives, God will not be satisfied until he brings us all home. Now, if you can get that this morning, and even though you've went wrong or maybe you're just weak and weary, oh, how he loves you. The great heart of God is not satisfied till he saw me brought into the fold and you brought into the fold. And now he's sealed us. We are safe and secure until we reach the kingdom of God. So, when it says in Ephesians 4 and 32, forgiving one another even or according to as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you, the word for Christ's sake, actually reads in the Greek, and there's nothing wrong with the translation, but the, some think it's a better translation if it was to read, God in Christ hath forgiven you. God in Christ himself. This is no ordinary man. This is no prophet or spiritual guru. This is no one who's decided to do a good thing and hang on a tree to be some sort of religious substitute. It's God himself. See, none other would do. None other would do. None other could pay the price. None could match what God's justice demands. But the sinless, spotless lamb, God in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Oh, reconciling you in your sin and me. God has forgiven you this morning. Act like it, walk like it, and move in it, and say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood of the Lamb. The very domination of the cross, the very domination, the weightiness, as it were, of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, the very clout, as we would say, that heaviness of it, the whole power of it. Oh God, he is dominated with it. All he sees is his son. All he sees is his blood and his sacrifice. And he sees our sins paid and full. Don't you get this excited on a Sunday morning, but sure. How can you not when you're around the cross and Christ has bore it all? Paid and full. Christ has forgiven you. Yes, walk right. Would there be one of us who would dare to put their hand up this morning and say, I'm perfect? Would there be one of us who would dare to say, you know what, I've never failed the Lord? No. You see, that's why the grace of God dominates my life. And in my weakness, he is strong. And oh, he comes through every time. Oh, Jeremiah Burroughs, old Puritan says, if the best man's faults were written upon his forehead, he would pull his hat down over his eyes. And if your faults were written in your forehead, you would pull your hat down over your eyes too. But you know what? 
Every time the Father looks at you, even when you have failed. I'd probably a criticism for this, but sure. I believe in the power of the blood. I believe in the grace of God abounding over my sin. And I do believe I'm walking right. But I want to say this, this is where I'll close. I believe with all my heart that there are people who claim the name of Christ but don't know him. But there are people and they sin, you see, and they live lives that there's nothing doesn't grieve them any. Do you know how you know the Holy Ghost is in you? The power of God, yes. Love of God, yes. Know how you know the Holy Ghost is in you? See, when you grieve him, if he wasn't in you, you wouldn't be grieved. Think about that. It's the grieving of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is saying, now, child, now you see where you are. Forgive one another. Just love one another. Because think of the riches of the new covenant is that my Father, he said, or the Holy Spirit would say, the Father is dominated by what Jesus has done. You are forgiven. The wrath of God was completely, fully, totally, utterly poured out upon him. Bless his holy name. He took your place and mine. And now we're free. Free to praise and free to worship and free to love him. We're getting through these. We're going to A to Z. It's took eight weeks to get the F. <laughs> Bless his name. Forgiven for Christ's sake or forgiven by God in Christ. God himself forgave my sin in his son. Bless his name.